You are in for a treat today. You know, this is a business podcast, but I haven't talked about the journey to become a seven-figure entrepreneur at all yet. It's not my journey yet. And if you can't even imagine having this kind of business, hitting 100K months consistently, I get it. I've been there. It was like unimaginable for me. Being in the room with people who are there, who are this successful, this is what changed my perception and made me realize that, yes, actually totally possible. So today I'm taking you in that room to show you what's possible. I'm talking with Elena Ray, a business coach for entrepreneurs who want to start and scale businesses doing the work they love to do most. After leaving her corporate career and traveling to more than 60 countries, fun story, we actually met in Bali at the Bali Spirit Festival years ago. She started her own coaching company and became a self-made millionaire by age 31. We talk about her journey, what she wished she would have done differently when she started out, her book Becoming Self-Made, which I highly recommend because it's super inspiring. And she's also sharing so much golden advice in this episode. You are wanna take notes. So let's dive in. Hey there, welcome to the Blissful Bliss Podcast. I'm your host, Susanne Riker, here to help yoga and wellness entrepreneurs build a thriving online business. If you're ready to make a bigger impact and earn money online, you are in the right place. Each week you learn about websites, digital products, social media strategies, and what's working now to build your online business. And now let's get started. Hi, Elena. Welcome to the Blissful Bliss podcast. Hi, Suzanne. Thanks so much for having me. I'm so excited you're here. I'm really, really honored. I can't wait for our listeners to get to know you. So tell us, um, I mean, you have like, we're going to dive into your story a lot more, but can you just like quickly introduce yourself and what you do? Yeah, I'm Elena Ray. I'm a business coach that focuses on helping really talented healers and personal development practitioners and, you know, business owners beyond that. But that tends to be kind of my core niche to scale their businesses by embracing systems and structures and organization and um, especially really sharp messaging strategies that help people who may be experts in the field but struggle to communicate the value of what they do for a more, you know, person outside of the spiritual bubble to really get it and not only get it, but want to pay and invest in that specific modality. Uh, that's a big part of our work together. And I live in Bali. I've been here for the last four and a half years. And I think that also I'm, I was a former corporate uh, ladder climber and landed here. And that's sort of what I do. I'm a bridge between those worlds. Your journey has been so amazing. I think, I think we met actually at the Bali Spirit Festival once we've both been volunteering. And I don't know when that was, like maybe 2018. And then, um, I participated in the event that you organized together with Megan. Yeah. And so I, Eli, we haven't, we, we weren't close, but I remember your energy. 
So you really left an impression on me. Um, you just you have so, you had so much energy and such spirit for life. So I'm not surprised about your journey as well. So you wrote a book. Um, I just read it. It's amazing. Can you tell us a little bit more about that book? Yeah. Well, becoming self-made was birthed. It was birthed on my 32nd birthday. I was sitting in a circle with sisters and we were doing this, you know, visioning circle and they were sharing their reflections with me. And they were all like, your book is in the field. Like this is the year to write the book. And I've always wanted to write a book. And I agreed. I'm like, this is, we, we have to do it now. And it came through in about three months. I just channeled the thing. So a lot of what you read in the book is basically how it came out in the first draft, the original stories, the original wordings of things. And, and I just love that that was the process and that it just, it wasn't this long belagered thing. I just kind of like got it out, which is really symbolic of how I do business. I like to just ship things, try it, get it out, be in service, not wait for it to be perfect. Just deliver the thing as it comes through. And it's it's the answer to the question, which a lot of people ask me is, yeah, I remember you in 2018 and 2019 as this traveler, you know, full of ideas, but didn't really have one thing that I had mastered and was building a business around. I was teaching yoga. I was teaching tantra workshops. I was an online matchmaker, a freelance writer. I was dabbling still in a lot of spiritual modalities to two years later being the CEO of truly a, a multi-million dollar brand with a team and systems and consistent revenue. And like, what happened? How did I do that? The answer is in the book. <laughs> I <need it> all <laughs> <to tell> you. <laughs> what I loved reading is, was that you've been so honest about, yeah, how it evolved, how you pivoted also within your coaching career, right? So you didn't have it like perfectly figured out, which I feel is something that stops so many people from taking action because you just see someone else who seems to have it all figured out. And you're like, oh, I want her business. But obviously, that's not where she started. Um, do you have any advice for someone who's just like thinking about, oh, I could imagine just having this lifestyle of being a coach, but um, I don't know where to begin? Oh, yeah. Great question. I think well, I say in the book that niche is not a niche slash, you know, deciding what angle to take your business and how you're going to present yourself to the world. And then that kind of, and I know that's a realm that I really struggled in and a lot of my clients struggle in. And like you say, a lot of people in your audience are wrestling with this. It's not a strategy issue. It's not an issue of like, you just don't know what angle is going to be profitable or how to position yourself the right way. It's a mindset issue. It's a you waiting for it to be fully baked before you launch it to the world. And it can't be fully baked until you launch it to the world. So it's this oxymoron and this like paradoxical experience where you've got to pick something essentially people <laughs> and it gets to be 60 to 70% good enough where you're like, yeah, you know, I'm going to run with this direction of being a, a healer and start to put out some healing offerings. And you won't know the next step until you've already done that for a while and given it to people and see how they react and see who shows up and see how you enjoy the client dynamics and then try launching something else. And it's through the feedback that it gets crystallized. You're not meant to have the crystallized vision sitting on your yoga mat in your living room. Yeah. I think what sometimes what was helpful for me was having this strong mission which when I started was just, I want to make enough money so I can live in Bali. And I think you had that too, right? So something to really 
get you going. And then, of course, over time, it evolved into much bigger vision, but um, and it's more like about serving people as well and helping. But yeah, but the original mission was just like there was no plan B. It yeah. has to work, right? So yeah, yeah. I really, I like that, and also just being ready to have these small iteration updates as you go. So I started out, might be helpful to share with everyone. I started out as a career coach. I had a blog called Life Before 30. Unfortunately, you can't find it anymore. Um, where I wrote about my corporate career that was like the international portion of that career. And I was living in Africa and Asia and doing all these really cool things, getting paid to do it. And people could book me for like an hour to take a look at their resume and figure out what jobs they might be well positioned for. And that kind of expanded into a life coaching offering. And then as I started to incorporate Reiki and yoga and different tools I learned around mindfulness. I became more of like a mindfulness, spiritual life coach. And then my clients started doing really well and starting businesses. And then they were asking for my feedback on their business because I had a business that was getting clients at that point. And then they kind of edged me into the direction of business, but I still had a life coaching business at the same time. And I would have offers in each one. And then it finally was like, oh, this business component feels like where I actually shine and and do the best and love my clients the most. So I'm just going to double down on that. So the iteration you see of me now, and it's, it is updating. There's, there's other things that are coming for me now too, but it didn't arrive at this perfectly formed message and niche and very specific type of people. I, I help. It was very organic guided by small nudges on a monthly basis, let's say, and being okay to change, being free to change and embrace that. How did you, what did help you to make the decision what to move forward with? Mm, that's a good question. I think it was following where I was being, like what people were asking me for kind of organically you know, business responds to problems and we provide solutions to problems. So when clients were having different types of problems that were related to what we were working on, I could I could respond to those. And also they felt stretchy and exciting to, to move into. So when a life coaching client was asking me about her marketing, I was like, whoa, we're stretching here. That's not my zone of genius right now, but I'm being asked for this. And it like, okay, let's lean into that and see how it feels and test the waters. And when it felt good, then I knew that that stretch was something that I was meant to just like expand my circle to incorporate. So if you're not being stretched right now in your offerings or your business, that might be a problem. So figuring out how can you include that or call it in. I think um, a lot of people feel stretched just by the huge amount of things they put on their plate and on their to-do list, right? So you're like, I want to do after offer private coaching and then a group program and then I do Zoom classes and then I do a teacher training and I want everything at once probably. And they see someone who's been doing this for years and who has everything. So, but I mean, obviously you didn't start out there. What would you say? What is the most important thing to focus on? Well, this is a brilliant thing to point out, and I'll just underscore it. One of the biggest mistakes I think newer business owners can make is trying to look at their million-dollar company role models and replicate that state of business where they are now. And that's where you'll bump up against things and get you know confused because you're just skipping over some steps. 
And it's really important to take the steps that it actually takes to build that kind of a beast sustainably. Um, if I could really start all over and just focus on the things that I know really move the needle, I would have, and this is basically what I help my clients in the masterminds build out is just super streamlined, like a really strong, excellent free training lead magnet thing that is catered to your perfect ideal client that builds your email list, that gets opt-ins, that sells your signature program for you and focus on filling hot and learning to sell high-end private coaching filling that first, then only moving on to group programs when you really feel like, oh, I see the patterns in my private clients and I see the same things over and over. And it makes sense at this point that you need to tell a room full of people all the same thing. (laughs) That's like the right moment when you've got momentum in your marketing and you've been posting consistently and you feel like your audience is warm, then you can start expanding into those other offers. Once your income is also stabilized through like a small group of people that are covering your bases and you're learning a lot through that customized approach to coaching. And then on top, and then after that, it would be adding on taking a group program and transforming it into a course that then becomes a passive income stream and doing a few of those. But those all get to be bonus money after the core of your business is established. That's the approach that I would take. I love that approach. Yeah. I'm always as well, like when you at least like, even when you create a program or a course, stay with it for a year before you add anything else to your product suite. I didn't make the, I didn't do that. <laughs> I started with a ton of low priced offers and I wasn't getting anywhere for a few years. And, um, just, I was just exhausted. So yeah. So I wish someone would have told me that when I started for sure. Yeah. Um, I did. I did the same. Like I mastered really selling high ticket and then. Only in recent years have I added on our, our master classes, which are a hundred dollars or courses that are under a thousand dollars. It's like, if you want to be accessible, the best way to be accessible is first establish a really smart revenue map with the most invested people in your audience. And then once you're fully resourced, by all means, like write a book, start a podcast, do lower price courses, give those things at that level when you're not going to be, it's not straining your core business or your core human (laughs) who's going to be stressed otherwise. And that builds longevity. And then longevity is going to make your work accessible to more people over the course of your lifetime. People think so narrowly around accessibility of like, yeah, but what about this client today who I can't serve at that price point? It's like, you got to say no to one person to say yes to hundreds and thousands later on in your career. In my Yeah, mind. I think especially in the yoga world, um, people worry, but what about all those amazing free yoga videos that are on YouTube? And like, yeah, but people who watch those videos, it's great for them, but they're not your ideal clients. So they, when they want to work with you, they, it's, they want something different. They want a completely different experience. So to think about that. Yeah. Yeah. And I also feel like there's, there's such a, undervalued market at the top in such so many niches um, where you really offer a premium service for people who want like the best expert advice or really want to dive in. Even It might even be before beginners. It could be like a yoga for beginners course, but at the highest level, not like a free video, but really like a program where you really guide them, where they get access to you, where they really get results as well and a bigger transformation. I think that's the most, one of the nicest benefits of offering premium programs, I think is really that you get your students so much higher, better, like the transformation and better results. That's what was my experience 
And that's why I'm like totally, um, yeah, convinced that really premium offers are the way to go for most yeah. people, maybe not for everybody, but right. So if you have another business model and that works for you, like that's great too. But, um, I just love that way of working in a deeper way with my students. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I would definitely agree. So, so yeah. So yeah. The, how did you then really get from? Six figures to like to that um, massive success that you're seeing now as a seven figure entrepreneur, because I think that feels so something we can't even imagine most of us getting there. Did it just like happen organically? Uh, What did you put into action to get that? Yeah, well, if if I'm being honest, I didn't plan on having a million dollar business. I did not plan or set out at the beginning to have consistent 100K months. That was so far out of my money mindset spectrum that it did just kind of happen by virtue of some good strategies and the things that I'll explain to you in a second. But I love then my students that come in and they want to, they're actually planning on, I want to be a millionaire coach. They're like four steps ahead of me (laughs) where I was at that point. I'm like, wow, you even setting that goal and feeling like, it's in within your reach and you're a yes to that. And you're choosing that already puts it like it's a done, it's done. Anyone who's listening to this that wants that it's done. It's going to happen in your lifetime because otherwise you wouldn't even be thinking about it. And then here's, here are the things that really helped me. I mean, number one, moving into having more than just a VA and I hired sooner than most people would have given my, where my level of income was at the time. I made very bold hires. I had a COO right after I hit like 250K, I think. And that was, I was like, oh, this is a big girl move. And I know it's what I need to run my business the way I want to run it and feel supported and start to take the admin stuff and some some of the thinking about business processes that I was doing that could have been more focused on inspiration and writing and delivering and teaching where I wanted to put my time. I hired support coaches. I put a salesperson into place all really early on. And what that did was obviously amplified how many people we could serve, at what capacity we could serve them, the quality that we could serve them at, made our programs that much more stable and able to bring on more clients. So I find sometimes if you want more clients, but they're not coming, you have to look at like, can I practically hold them? Am I set up to scale my program? And I put those things into place first. I was like, we are set up to scale. Even now my masterminds, they could scale up to having like a hundred people in them. And we would just add calls and it's structured in that way. So team, and that's a huge roadblock for a lot of people that I work with on, on, coaching them through this stage of business because they don't trust. They don't want to think that someone can do that piece of the business better than them. And they doubt that there are like, quote unquote, good people out there who will do, you know, at the same meet my standards and stuff. And I'm like, that's just a story. That is such a mindset shift that gets to happen because there are people that are going to do each of those parts of your business 10 times as good as what you can do. And you've got to trust and let go and let them do their jobs. So that's been a huge component. And then I think from a business model perspective, adding in leveraged high ticket group programs, like my masterminds have become my bread and butter. And those are, yeah, they bring in a huge stable recurring revenue. They bring in high tickets every month and people 
stay in those programs. And then there's, we've expanded. So we've got passive income now and funnels and courses and a membership. So we've added like these different streams so that people can also choose where, where it feels good for them to hang out with us. Do they want to buy a hundred dollar masterclass or do they want to hire me for a year for a hundred K you can choose anything along that spectrum and it's up to you. And my business is just to create those doors and, um, and run these programs well. So I think those, those are a few things that I, w- I would say. No, um, that's beautifully put. Definitely. Um, you just get started with where you are basically. And then slowly evolve from there. And I love that you, yeah, that focus on, um, adding a team members. Definitely. I feel that as well. I remember for me, it was a little bit different. It's not so much that I don't believe that other people can do what I do, but because I used to be a project manager. So I, my job used to be to delegate things like to a copywriter, to a web designer, to, um, to all those people. And I was just like, Oh my God, I felt so good to do everything myself. <laughs> I just enjoyed it so much. I still do. I'm just like um working on an update of my website now. It's probably the least important thing in my business. Um, but I just love it. It just like got me up at 8 a.m. on Sunday morning. <laughs> so I'm still um disciplining myself that now those days in the work week. Nope. <laughs> but um Yeah, I think yeah, I mean totally fair. And what I would say is I think a lot of you know, that the real shift that comes is when you start, like so many of us, we are multidimensional. We have tremendous skill and we're very capable in so many different areas and we might love all parts of our business. So that can't be the benchmark by which we measure, should I be doing this thing just based on emotion or enjoyment or excitement? There comes a shift when you actually really think about what's best for the business. And that's, that's where you make decisions. And yeah, I mean, I crush sales. I could easily, you know, keep doing sales calls and I enjoy connecting with people, but I'm like, is it best for the business that I do that? No, it's best for the business that actually there's a third party who handles vetting if these people are a really good fit for our company or not and scales that part of our, our pipeline so we can have more people. Um, um, so that's, Something I, I say that's sometimes controversial in this space because spiritual entrepreneurs tend to be so emotionally driven. And uh, this is part of the masculine feminine where I'm like, yeah, we don't bypass that. Our feminine wants to acknowledge our excitement and our turn on and our emotions. But then the masculine comes in and it's like, and what's best for the business at the end of the day. But were you like that when you started or was that something that evolved over the last years? If you listen Definitely. more to that, less to your emotional side. I think if I'm being honest, the what will get people, for, like if I can, you know, look at a client and go, okay, how are we going to get this person to seven figures or the people who have reached that level? What are the trends? It is becoming more analytical and less emotional. That takes a six-figure coach to a seven-figure coach. And I definitely didn't start out that way. I've been... I've been working with so many different coaches and experts who have helped bring out those different sides of me. And I've had coaches that have really strengthened that masculine muscle and have helped me build my systems in a certain way and take a more, you know, regimented approach where they're not overindulging my emotions the same way. Like, you know, uh, some of the other coaches I've worked with who are very much into like wealth dynamics and energy and uh, alignment and calibration and all this stuff. Both are great. And I've had to do the job. And I think this is where I I sit in the industry is 
there's very few people I think that have such depth in each and then bring it into, um, into a balance. So I can dabble in each when it feels healthy. And then I can look at where I get out of balance in each and, Yeah. It's not easy work to do, to call ourselves out or be brutally honest about when we're overindulging in a certain area, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think it was a little bit of a wake-up call for me, but I love it. Yes. It's a journey, definitely. And it's where having a coach or someone to guide you is just basically a mirror that you look into, right? Probably things that you already know deep inside yourself and yeah. it just like gets it out there for you to move forward do you always feel like this um road of being an entrepreneur is this road of self-discovery compared to being an employee it's just like <laughs> it's like life-changing and i don't know it's for me it's something it's this road of self-acceptance self-love those things as well and even with yeah so you might say that's more the feminine side but i think like it applies always to being an entrepreneur even when you just focus on the masculine side Mm. well i mean now that we're unpacking this a bit more i'm thinking about that leap from six to seven figures and what another component that it really took so the masculine side was like i hired a team and i put systems into place and diversified my you know my leveraged business model the feminine side was actually being able to hold more people through my leadership and through healing work that i had to do in terms of if we run a human-centered business and then we're scaling that means we're working with more humans who are going through transformation and if they're getting triggered if they're projecting on us and if they're having their ups and downs and we cannot hold it and be willing to look at it and up level ourselves we won't be a match for more people so i know a lot of work i did in that period was on this feminine healing, being able to go through difficult emotional situations with clients or confronting scenarios with people in my audience or whatever is going to come up. And it got to the point where it was just like, oh, I know that I can handle that with grace. I know I can say the thing. I know I can uh, you know, kick someone out of my program when that's actually what's in the highest for the entire container, even though that's so uncomfortable to do. I know I can get a lawyer when I need a lawyer. I know I can, you know, there's, I think the navigation of that personal and interpersonal space is what allows us to hold more money and, and do it safely, especially in this industry and hold more people with greater leadership. Yeah. Oh my God. I love that. That's really beautifully said. Um, I'm not sure what I wanted to ask next. <laughs> um, I wanted to actually, what I kept like in the back of my mind was, um, you said like, so let's just like pivot back to when we talked about a freebie, because I know this is such a big challenge for a lot of people. What should they create? What should they offer? Can we just talk about that for a few minutes? Um, do you have any tips there? Like what is working now in your experience? I think like a simple ebook or PDF or checklist is not really going to cut it anymore, but I don't know. I'm always like saying, don't, yeah, it's, can, don't spend like three weeks creating a freebie um, when you don't even have a paid offer yet. I'll tell you some of the biggest mistakes people make with their freebies. That Ooh, I see I all. <laughs> <laughs> Number one, 
uh, oh God, so many things. Actually, this could be a whole podcast episode. Just reel me in whenever. Number one, not selling in your freebie, not making it. I mean, number one, I think video content, all my freebies, you can go download them on my website. Um, They're all videos. They're all quite in depth and they're very strategic, like what I'm teaching and what I'm not teaching in them. I have been very intentional. I've thought about it. Um, because I'm setting people up to figure out if they're a good fit to actually work with me where we can actually get results. That's the role of the freebie. It's not to give away a whole bunch of stuff, but it is giving away a lot of value in a very particular way. But there's a, a huge sales component. So you can watch my freebies and watch me sell to you. I'm going to spend 10, 15 minutes at the end, really thoroughly walking you through how I can help you and why you should enroll in this program. That's a big area. People just get really nervous at the end of their freebies. And they're like, well, you can go to my website for more info, or you can like, you know, DM me if this resonated with you. And then, you know, here's a link to buy my, Blah. no, no. Number two. It lives in your website and it's just sitting there waiting for like the goblins of Google to maybe have someone come across it and download it. These are things that if it's good and it's converting for you and you've tested it, you want to be promoting it all the time, like actively promote your paid offers and actively promote and sell your free offers and consistently drive new traffic towards them. Number three, not having a funnel or any kind of a sequence or follow-up or sales process that people go through after they get into your freebie. It's just this thing and then you're directing them back to social media or there's no next step that's really clear. Definitely have a nurturing email sequence off the back of those. And then overall, in terms of the positioning of it and what you want it to do, I like to think of it as step zero. So what do I need to teach someone primarily through a mindset or an energy perspective or a belief shifting perspective to get them to see that they actually really need to deep dive into this work and to really understand their specific gaps and problems better and then helping them make an informed buying decision. That alone is presenting so much value to someone. Oh, that's so good. Yeah. Yeah, that's there you go. <laughs> that's so good. And I love that it's video content. Um I definitely yeah, it's like um it should be easier for you to create. I mean, you still need to think about obviously what you want to talk about, but it doesn't have to be like a three-week production. It doesn't have to look perfect. You don't need like a videographer or something like that. You yeah. just need to show up authentically. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Ooh, I love that. Um, so yeah, so that's back. So we took it back to the beginning stages <laughs> of your business, basically, of getting started. Um, what is there anything you would have done differently or you wished you would have done differently when you were in the startup phase? Mm. Oh, so much. I mean, the fact that I've gotten the results that I've gotten, honestly, anybody listening to this, y'all got this. You can do it because <laughs> I went a very long roundabout path. I was totally lost when it came to marketing and sales. I did not know how to talk about my work. I could, I struggled to sell a $500 package. I thought that was way too expensive because, oh my God, if we divided that by two sessions or paying that person, oh, all that junk, um, I would have started charging more sooner because to me, price is a great filter for things that I can't explicitly even put words to or say, or really check in someone, you know, I can check that people coming into my program are an expert in something that they have, you know, a rough idea of an offer to put together and they just need the blah, blah, blah strategies. 
can I really measure someone's self-confidence or their commitment level to a certain result or their way of looking at the world and how money works and all these different things that price captures very effectively when someone's like, okay, I'm really committed to this process right now. And I am in a mindset of my investments come back to me. They're in a trusting nature of life and they're bound in no matter what niche they're in to create better results because of their, that part of their nature. So I would have done that so much sooner. And it's something a lot of my clients, they leapfrog from charging $1,500 for a program to charging 10,000 and feeling even better with the results their clients are getting, with how they're showing up as a coach, with the way their business, the opportunities that creates for their business and feeling like, God, it was just that I was drastically undercharging this whole time. It's not that I'm overcharging now. It's just that I've actually realized what this is worth and I'm valuing myself at this level that it feels better for both parties. <laughs> a lot of people, I mean, I personally don't buy things sometimes because they're cheap. I'm like, I don't want the cheap thing. I actually am someone, I, I want the healer who has a healthy money mindset and is going to have me invest in this work together and who's abundant and doing well in her life. I don't want to pay the cheap healer because I don't want that juju running, rubbing off on me. And honestly, there's so many people out there that feel Similarly, and, and I think that gets overlooked where clients don't realize where they may be losing clients by not charging what they really need to be charging and should be charging. No, so good. I think I've, I've been exactly there. I think I'm still probably a little bit there. But actually, that reminds me of when I was working in advertising and one of my clients was a huge car brand. <laughs> and when they launched their new model, they actually told us that um, they they choose the price. So you would think that they have all those calculations in the back and right. How much does it really cost to manufacture the car? And I don't know all those things. No, they choose the price. So that it's the, um, the most expensive model in that range because they want it to be the premium model. That's all. <laughs> That's basically decided on the price, which feels like, it was like, you know, one of the biggest car brands. So yeah. Um, it's we. Make purchasing decisions on an emotion, emotional level. It's never, it's never just like a pragmatic decision. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And of course it takes all that mindset work and experience to, to get there. I think it's, you can't really say someone, um, who's just getting started. Um, you should offer like a $10,000 coaching package when they don't have that background, that experience in serving their students on that level. So yeah. I feel like you're in different phases, seasons in your business to grow, to get there. And then it's probably the challenge of, okay, catching the right moment to get there where a lot of us are struggling. I think so. I like the point that you brought up about the car brand because it emphasizes the truth of pricing as a positioning choice. Yeah. There's customers at every single, in every single lane of a highway. You know, there's people who will pay $50 a month for a mastermind. There's people that pay 500. There's people that pay 5,000 per month. So which customer do you want to serve? Which one do you want to attract? That's what price you charge. No, we love the Bali birds in the background. <laughs> oh yeah, the, the Bali sounds. So you can choose anyone. You can choose the, to serve the low end of the market. It's just a choice. The same way that serving the high end of the market is just a choice. And it comes down to really like your own, like your own self-image. Yeah, definitely. Right. I mean, did you, you didn't really start positioning yourself at the high end of the market, right? So how did it evolve? 
I wish I did though. Yeah. I didn't. That would be, it's just a choice. And I didn't realize it was a choice. I had this imbued false sense of the corporate patriarchy in me that said, well, I've got to work my way up. That's just an Mm. idea. That's just a story. I could just choose to value my services at the level that I value them now from the beginning. And it would have been the same choice. I think that's, yeah, I think that's so right. And I mean, yeah, it's just like this work that we have to do to make the decision to stand up for that, stand up as the leader. And yeah, it's a decision if you want, where you want to position yourself. I'll give you an example, like a specific example. So I have some clients I work with that are doing, they have a corporate day job and they're in my mastermind at night and they're growing their coaching business on the side and they've got a a handful of clients and they're working on that transition period. In that period, I will catch them in a mindset of, well, I don't, I can't charge that much because I'm not a full-time coach yet. And you know, I'm not as valuable, quote unquote, as a coach. And I was like, hmm, let's flip this on his head and say that your services should actually be double because you're actually so valuable to society that you have a serious corporate job and you've got a role to play there and your time is limited. And in economics, if something is limited in supply, it goes up in demand and your price goes up. So if someone wants your time, they're going to have to compensate for the fact that you're taking that time away from another valuable career, basically. And they're like, you know, head explode emoji. And then they go and do that. And then they're working with the creme de la creme of their audience and they have high paying clients on the side. And then they can make that transition so much faster. That's like one example where it's like, it's a choice. It's a positioning. How do you want to look at it? What stories do you want to tell yourself? So many great insights here. Thank you so much. Um, well, that was, I think that's been really inspiring, um, for a lot of our listeners. Thanks so much for sharing honestly about your journey and everybody get Elena's book. It's amazing. <laughs> um, become self-made. You can get it on Amazon. Is there an audiobook available already or? I'm so glad you asked me that. I literally just finished approving the MP3s right before this. So by the time you guys are listening to this episode, the audiobook will probably be out. So you can wow, get audio amazing. or the hard copies. Great. So we add the link to the show notes. Um, where else can people go to learn more about you? I would send you guys to elenaray.com slash free gifts. And this is a double, you have a meta experience with this. So you can actually download the, especially the sought after messaging training about attracting higher level clients and charging more for your services. The material itself, you're going to love. It's going to help you so much. And then you can also watch how I give you a free training and watch me sell to you and get pointers based on that. <laughs> I love that. Get in my email sequence and then you can just study what, what emails am I sending to you and why? That's why genius. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. That's genius. So we add all the links to the show notes. Thanks so much, Elena. You're so welcome. Thank you for having me here. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Blissful Biz Podcast. If you like the show, please leave a review on iTunes. This would mean the world to me. And of course, don't forget to subscribe to the podcast to never miss a new episode. To learn more about how to work with me one-on-one, my courses and membership, or to get instant access to freebies, workshops, and more, go to SusannaRaika.com right now. Thanks for tuning in and see you next time.